Hi, Tom Bernard here. You're listening to Best of the Family. Enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? The well, latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us, we talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. And have been for a long time. Very, very successful, no question. I, I, you know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say... Why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? <laughs> and I just had no answer for <laughs> He just looks away, you big baby. In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state. So we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean, Bryant. Tom here for my friends at Walzer Automotive Group with some exciting news. Walzer's rolling out Walzer Care on new and most used cars they sell in Minnesota. Well, Walzer Care is a powertrain warranty with coverage for 10 years or 150,000 miles. Powertrain coverage is like major medical coverage for your car. Engines, transmissions, all the really expensive stuff is covered. In addition, Walzer Care includes 24-hour roadside assistance. Lock your keys in your car, run out of gas, have a flat tire. Guess what? Walzer has your back. The best thing about Walzer Care, it's free with purchase. That's right, I said free. So, if you're shopping for a new or used Subaru, Honda, Nissan, Mazda, Toyota, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Hyundai, or Chevrolet, see my friends at Walzer and get Walzer Care for free. back ladies and gentlemen that's all i know great guests in the first couple hours i like both women they they did a great job explaining and i did not know uh that maggie wrote a book on sexual harassment to like because i don't read the bios in advance i like to have a natural reaction to anything i read i don't read news stories in advance i don't i don't read anything in advance because i you can always tell on television on the radio why i see today that someone lost a limb how shocking you know, it's like, oh, yeah, God. I know, it's terrible. Don't try to act. It's a bad idea. Don't act. It's a, but I like to have a natural reaction. So I did not know that, that Maggie had written a book about uh, sexual harassment in 1991. I mean, well, she goes all the way back 27 years ago, her book about sexual harassment in public. And, uh, and then Sheila was just terrific. You know, I, I, you don't run into many people, Sheila Collins, you don't run into many people who list their occupation as uh, grief counselor, comedian. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, God. She's listed as a grief counselor and a comedian. You don't see that very often. But that's just me. You want to be cheered up a little bit. Maybe this might disgust you. It might cheer you up. It cheers me up because he was such a decent guy. I never had him on the show, never met him, but I used to love watching him when the kids were little. It's a beautiful day in the postal neighborhood. The U.S. Postal Service plans to issue a new stamp featuring Mr. Rogers. 
the children's television host known for his zip-up, cardigan, sneakers, and soothing manner. The Forever Stamp will be unveiled March 23rd at WQED's Fred Rogers Studio in Oakland, the same Pittsburgh public television station where Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood was produced. The AP and Pittsburgh Post-Gazette report the stamp features Fred Rogers and the Royal Puppet King Friday the 13th. Get it? King Friday the 13th. Come on! Yeah. Show me some support. Uh, Rogers, who grew up in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. Who else grew up in Latrobe, Pennsylvania? Rolling Rock Beer. And Rocco. Rolling Rock Beer and... Rocco Mediate? Not Rocco. He grew up in Pittsburgh. Oh. Arnold Palmer. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yep. Knew it was a golfer. See? Uh, Rogers, who grew up in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, produced, wrote, and hosted Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood for more than 30 years. He died in 2003. He was only 74 when he died, but he battled stomach cancer. That was the problem. His message remained a simple one throughout the years, telling his viewers to love themselves and others. The stamp also marks the show's 50th anniversary. It first aired on February 19, 1968. The March 23rd event is free to the public and can be viewed live on the USPS Facebook page. Also slated to receive a forever stamp in 2018 per the morning call, singer and civil rights activist Lena Horn. Astronaut Sally Ride and John Lennon will be on a U.S. postage stamp. Wow. What do you think of that? He ain't That's even American. Cool. Did, they, did they ever put Winston Churchill on a, on a USPS stamp? I doubt it. I would bet. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. If they, yeah, probably not. Have you guys seen Darkest Hour, by I the way? I did. I thought uh, Gary Oldham is just unbelievably gifted as an actor. Amazing. All right, yeah. 1965. Ah, see? Yeah. In fact, you can buy them mint for 50 cents, so I guess they made a lot. You can buy them mint yes. for 50 cents? Aren't they only 49 cents anyway? They're 5 cents. They're probably 5. Yeah, they're well, 1965. I, mean, I, I, yeah. I mean, a stamp now is 49 cents, isn't it? Around there. But I don't think you can use older stamps, can you? Sure you can. Yeah? Yep. You'd have to. So put, I guess a stamp's real value put, is just whatever the price of a stamp is at the moment? Yep, that's right. Hmm. Well, why do they have? Why do they call them forever stamps then? Because I thought they well, that, couldn't use yeah, that stamps. Yeah, that is. A, you can use forever stamp. That's the way that they fund the post office ahead of time. So if you buy oh, yeah, fifty dollars yeah. worth of stamps, that stamp will always be able to uh, be used yeah. to mail a letter, regardless of the current price of stamps. Mm-hmm. See, but I yeah, thought that's that, what I did is I bought a. Well, that's not I extended. A whole bunch of stamps when I was when it was like forty three cents or something. So, Mike there you has, go. Mike has Same alternate information. Well, no, because also I, I was talking not I mean, stamps. Yeah, it's uh, you know whatever you buy them at, they're forever. But packaging, if you buy a prepackaged envelope, if you're sending mail, figured this out or ran into this problem a couple weeks ago. They're prepaid. There's like 25 of them. So you think I don't have to pay anything, right? You drop them off, simple as that. Well, the rates went up, so they went up by a nickel. So now I have to stand in the line, if there is a line, that's, and pay a nickel stupid. on top of the prepaid. I already paid. Being for- a drug dealer is tough work. Well, it's harder <laughs> than a lot of people think. There's postal rates. There's packaging. Uh, you got the FBI. It's tough. Well, you know, when for a living, you read a lot of uh, news copy. And as I said, I don't pre-read any stories at all. So what I do is just scroll stories. During the morning show, John Lastman produces that show so he brings up stories on the screen that i've never seen before and i just as i said i do it because i want a natural reaction to all all the stories but what happens when you scroll 
through the uh, news stories yourself looking for interesting subjects and just you know and i find it's a much fresher show too when you you didn't plan out every story you're going to tell uh you find news stories and you go oh this is fascinating but then when you do that you also run across headlines like this one celebrities who are fall down drunks <laughs> nice story title i think that might That's be clickbait <laughs> Yeah, you think that might be clickbait? Uh, let me just see what the deal is here. Uh, well, is that picture okay. of the attractive woman still uh, a top read, even though it's been up there for months? You know, I, I haven't looked. That picture of the attractive woman with the huge breasts, <laughs> yeah. you mean that one? Yeah. I think it, I think it still is, yes. <laughs> oh, this is cold. Celebs that are fall-down drunks. Like most people, celebs just want to have a good time and cut loose after a hard day's work. It's part of the human experience. But when the average person has a few too many drinks, the most they have to deal with is a bad hangover and maybe explaining some awkward texts. It's pretty unlikely there will be a viral video of them at their worst, which is definitely not the case when you're famous. Celebrities also don't have the luxury of dealing with alcoholism in private. And that's led to some unfortunate pop culture moments that have sidelined the careers of even Hollywood's biggest stars. Some of the bigger names in Hollywood who have become known for their propensity to be fall-down drunks and their ability to handle it or not handle Yeah, who do you think the first one up is? First one. You'd know if you thought about this for two seconds. All of them. Charlie, Charlie Sheen. I, I know there's a huge list. Ooh, I of bet you Charlie's going to be on here. Kelsey Grammer. Shia LaBeouf is number oh. one. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, he's insane. Number two's a given to. This one's just, a, this, is a, this is a punt. No question about Jimmy it. Jimmy Fallon. Mel Gibson. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. Mm. <laughs> Who were you going to say? I said Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon. You think Jimmy Fallon's a booze hound? Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. oh yeah. I've heard that, yeah. Yep. Really? Oh, I didn't know that. Because the yep. first two are people who have like obvious bipolar disorder. There was that whole thing when he uh, self-treating it. When he messed up his finger, it was you know put out there in the oh, media that yeah. was an accident, but it sounded like drunken shenanigans. It's gravity. Oh, you're, yeah, yeah, you're right. Now this one I didn't know until yesterday, and the only reason I found out about it yesterday is she was on an airplane on Sunday, I think it was, before or during the Super Bowl. And she went up and grabbed the mic at the front of the plane yep. and said, This is not the pilot. This is Jennifer Lawrence. Fly, Eagles, fly. Uh, so I'm going, She's hammered. Well, she just show up, showed up on the fall down drunks list. Did you see that clip this of Kevin cool. Hart at the Super Bowl? Oh, yes. He was he hammered. Tried to get up on stage for the. Well, he got grabbed the, the mic trophy. and dropped the F bomb. Wow. He did drop yeah. the f bomb. That's very, very true. There's no question. Um, this guy, not a, not a tough guess either, since he ate a hamburger off the carpet of his hotel room floor <laughs> when his kids were there. Oh yeah, uh, David Hasselhoff, fall down drunk. Oh, I think he's been a drunk for a, a while. Well, Johnny Depp's on the list. That's not not the. He's he's an unabashed drunk. So, do you think he's actually flat broke? They claim that he has no. spent over three hundred million dollars. There's no way. I mean, like, yeah. How could? What could you even buy? A lot of stuff, man. Well, he does have tattooed wine forever. Yeah, think about that. Yeah, but I mean, that's a lot of wine. Three hundred million dollars. Yeah, it is a lot of wine. It's true. I didn't know this one either. Christina Aguilera. Apparently, she's a fall down drunk. Charlie Sheen, there, there he is, Doug. Yeah. Your first guest, Charlie Sheen. It's kind of a one I, foot putt. Yeah. Why don't they have any local people on here? 
What? Mm. They should have some local people on here on the fall down drunks list. Well, Minnesotans? Yeah. Well, I mean, we don't have that many to begin with. Cindy Bricado? Celebrities. Cindy Bricado. It's like we have, like, what, two celebrities that everyone knows? That's true. Prince and Bob Dylan. Prince was an opiate addict, so there's that. And then Bob Dylan, I don't know. Bob Dylan keeps his life fairly private. He's pretty nuts, I know that. He is a weirdo, that's for sure. Josh Brolin apparently is a fall-down drunk. I didn't know that. And by the way, I'm just calling them fall-down drunks because that's what they're being called in the article, so... I'm just here to tell you. I do not recognize Josh Brolin. Yeah, you, he's you in a lot of movies. He's picture. James Brolin's... Right. No, I, I'm looking at him. Really, you don't know He looks like, I don't know, a suburb dad. Lindsay Lohan? Did you know Lindsay Lohan was a drunk? <laughs> yeah. Really? I think I did. <laughs> there are no surprises here, are there? Except I think she's like... Isn't she like in a psychiatric care or something uh, sometimes she is yeah something yeah something weird happened to her recently well this next one you talk about a one-foot putt he's canadian Kiefer sutherland of course he's a drunk Come I, on. I wouldn't he's, have guessed that <laughs> oh yeah he's had a lot of trouble with being hammered and saying that. things in public he shouldn't say hmm. uh i don't know about this fall down drunk thing there was one time when they caught uh reese witherspoon Mouthing off to cops, and she was hammered. But I don't know if she's hammered all yeah. the time, or maybe she is. Maybe that's true. I, 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 I just, you know, I just find it interesting that you run across titles like, These people are fall-down drunks. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for all your help. And I suppose because they're, they're famous, there's nothing they can do about it. No, right? probably not. I mean, what you can do, prove that you're not? How could you prove you're not a fall-down drunk? I guess you really can't. You can't. You can't prove that you're not, right? Right. No, it is kind of an odd thing. Well, most of those people, I think they've most of them that you named have been through treatment a few times. Mm, I think you're right about that, too. Oh, this is a very sad story, as a matter of fact. After 71 days and more than 900 miles, British explorer Henry Worsley finally made the agonizing decision to end his epic journey through the Antarctic. Arctic, uh, in early 2016. The decision, however, came too late, and the 55-year-old died of organ failure after being airlifted oh, out. Oh, no. Incredibly, he was just 30 miles short of his goal of becoming the first person to cross the Antarctic alone and unaided. Well, there's a reason no wow. one's done it before. Yeah, well, they still haven't done it because yeah, he's dead. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty sad, though, don't you think? I'm, I, th- I have a feeling he knew that the odds of not living were pretty high. Explorer turned back, but decision came too late. Uh, now the New Yorker provides a lengthy and fascinating look at his life and his death with excerpts from his diary showing just how brutal a toll the expedition had been on taking on his body. Eventually those entries became a litany of suffering, writes Dave, David Gran. Worsley had lost more than 40 pounds... His stomach hurt constantly. Later, doctors would say he developed bacterial peritonitis. What is it? What is arterial or bacterial peritonitis? It's basically just an infection of the stomach lining. So it gives you the the runs. Is that what we're talking about? No, I th- it's more like ulcers, that kind of thing. Uh, frostbite had taken the tip of one finger. Storm after storm punished him. Still, he pressed on, murmuring a mantra: "Always a little further." He kept saying, "Always a little further." From a poem and asking himself, what would shacks do? 
In times of trouble, referring to his Antarctic hero, the late explorer Ernest Shackleton. And not the, Shaquille uh, O'Neal for you younger listeners. Not Sha- <laughs> what would Shaq do? His <laughs> mantra was, make me like Mike. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, in any case, the story recounts how his wife, Joanna, wrote the phrase, come back to me safely, my darling. Yeah, don't do this if you have a wife, and yeah. especially if you have a wife and kids. Unless you hate her. Or um, hate yeah, them. I mean, you, he, you know for sure that there's at least a fairly high chance that you're going to die. So that's kind of a selfish thing to do, I think. Isn't that terrible? What if... <laughs> Where's your husband? Well, he's in the Antarctic. Why? Well, he hated us. That's why. (laughs) Going for a walk. (laughs) That's terrible. (laughs) You're evil, Doug. See, look at what you do. Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're the one that read the story. Horrible spin. Well, I was just trying to praise a man and honor him, but then you turned it (laughs) dark. Can we play the tape back? (laughs) Let's play it back and see what happened. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we will be back. We'll schmooze. Doug Sprinthal's here. Mike Molina, Andy. All the women bailed again like they usually do. Typical of a third hour. That work week of four hours is just too long. We'll be back. Tom Bernard Show. Tom Bernard here, and with me is the CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Tell me, Michael, I was reading on your website that one of your bankers has worked with a customer for more than 30 years. It's a long time for any business relationship. Is that common? Not only 30 years, but two generations. Our great client, Northland Fastening Systems. 30 years is definitely not common for a lot of bankers, but Brad has developed a relationship with that trusted customer that has allowed them to show steady growth every year they've been together. Building the relationship of trust is what we do best. It allows us to make quick deals that benefit them and all of our business customers. The cool thing is that it gives us a chance to be more than your banker, hopefully a partner, and maybe even a friend. I have never liked you, by the way. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience? Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Thanks, friend. And you are? <laughs> Real nice. Chuck Nabla. <laughs> Chuck Nabla. <laughs> Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. There's no better time than now to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they wanted to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK. Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer. He drinks a whiskey drink. He drinks a vodka drink. He drinks a lager drink. He drinks a cider drink. I don't know why I love that song, but I do love that song. Who is that again? It's uh, Chumbawamba. Chumbawamba. Chumbawamba, that's right. Tub thumping. Chumbawamba is tub thumping? That's, well, that's what this song is called. Yes, tub thumping. It's the worst name 
What does tub thumping even mean? I don't know. Being drunker than hell, apparently. <laughs> I get knocked down, but I get up again. Um, all of you, the three of you, give me your take on Jim Carrey. Good actor, weirdo. I just weirdo. saw the first episodes of uh, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, and he was one of the first ones. Yeah. And he is he's out there, but I mean, the guy's yeah, undeni- undeniably talented. I mean, he's got a really fast mind. A great, he's a great physical comedian. You know, it's he's just a weird cat. He is. There's no getting around it. Molina, what do you think? Yeah, I would have to agree. I mean, obviously very, very talented. He's kind of fallen off the rails as of late. But, man, uh, back I, – I don't know about Andy, but, uh, you know, childhood memories of movies coming out in the mid to late 90s, and he was at the top. And um, nobody else could have played oh, yeah, Ace he, Ventura or The yeah, Mask. So, I mean, nobody yeah, could do like, that. Like Dumb and no, Dumber. that's true. Just, <laughs> yeah, for the longest time, he was like every comedy movie. Yep. Yeah, every big comedy movie. Yeah. Like you said, um, Ace Ventura, Ace Ventura 2, obviously. Dumb and Dumber. The Mask, Dumb and Dumber. Liar, um, Liar. He was in Liar, Liar. Bruce he was Almighty. In, um, yeah. What? There was another one. I did like him in uh, with Kate Winslet in oh. uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind or whatever it was called. I yeah. thought it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a comedy. But. And then he was in The Truman Show. Yep. Which is like half comedy. Well, here's the problem with Uh-oh. the internet. The problem with the internet is this. You get to know your celebrity favorites far too well, and it's never good. Oh, I've known he's insane for a long time. He is crazy. Mark Zuckerberg is not going to like Jim Carrey's latest remarks. The actor says he's getting rid of his Facebook shares and deleting his page, and he wants other people to follow suit, CNBC reports. I'm dumping my at Facebook stock and deleting my page because at Facebook profited from Russian interference in our elections, and they're still not doing enough to stop it. Kerry tweeted on Tuesday. I encourage all other investors who care about our future to do the same. The same message with a drawing of Zuckerberg with a dislike button logo was posted on Kerry's Facebook page. Jim, you're Canadian. Yeah, you're Canadian. Settle down. Yeah, our election. Our elections. What are you talking about, our elections? Trudeau? Are you talking about him? He's not an American citizen, is he, Jim Kerry? He might, I don't know. He might That's a good be, question. He was born in Canada. I doubt it. He, oh, he's definitely from Canada, but I don't think he's a United States citizen. Let's see. I do not know. Oh, no, he did. He became an American citizen uh, 14 years ago. Oh, huh. there you go. Kerry, who grew up in Canada, became an American citizen in 2004, tells Business Insider that he wants other activist investors. See, just saying activist investors, I hate you now. Activist investors. To press for responsible oversight of social media because the world needs capitalism and with a conscience. For a long time, America enjoyed a geographical advantage in the world with oceans on both sides to protect it, he says. Now social media has created cyber bridges over which those who do not have our best interest in mind can cross, and we are allowing it. No wall is going to protect us from that. We must encourage more oversight by the owners of these social media platforms. There has been no comment yet from Mark Zuckerberg or Facebook. I think when they invented so, the intercontinental ballistic missile was probably when the oceans shrank yeah. away. Not so much Facebook. Calm down. Not so, not so much Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. Why are you going to the airport? Flying somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> Flying somewhere? No. No, I'm not. I'm just going to the airport, but I've decided not to fly anywhere. Fell off the jet bridge <laughs> <Yeah>. again. 
he has said some very funny. He is a very funny guy, but what a creep. Oh, my God. That whole man in the moon thing is just hideous. That was weird. You know, it he la- just, he launched on. a lot of careers, though. I mean, if he imagine if he wasn't on uh, Living Color, I don't think that show oh, yeah. would have been a You're tenth right. as popular as it was, and it wouldn't it brought all those people along with him. <laughs> no, that was that show was all about him. It's like what. Chris Farley. If with without him, SNL probably would have at least ended, come very close to ending by now. Yeah, that's probably true. But there was a lot there, but for a few years there, people tuned in for Chris Farley. Well, I that's true, but they don't. I absolutely did. SNL's always had a history of being good and then being horrible and then getting to be good. And I think that's a true. lot of that's fans true, sort of yeah. waited out through the bad years, knowing that they'll discover the next Eddie Murphy or the next Chris Farley or whoever it is. And somebody will come along right. and just be great. No, that's true. I, uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, it, it is what it is. I did love Chris Farley, but uh, Jim Carrey's had his moments. There's no question about it. Well, remember, um, his girlfriend died a few years ago. We talked about her on the show, and I think he really went overdose, off. Yeah, yeah, went off the deep end yeah. there. Well, they tried to blame it on him. Yeah, remember? is that what did it to him? They tried to blame her death on him, and yeah. that didn't sit too well. Apparently, they said he gave her the drugs that killed her. Right? Yeah, something like that. And let's not forget, yeah. he was also dating Jenny McCarthy a while back, and she's nuts. Yeah. What do you mean? She's with Donnie Wahlberg. Yeah, they were no, just in town the for problem? the Super Bowl. <laughs> oh, yeah, Jim Carrey's uh, anti-vax because of her. Yeah. He's a what? Anti? He doesn't like vaccinations because that's like what her thing is now is she hates vaccinations. Who, Jenny McCarthy? Yes. That's what? basically what she's known for now. What's the problem with vaccinations? They cause autism, says them. Well, they've proved it several times that they don't. Yeah, but they don't care about that oh they don't care they still it's basically think. like they'll have someone will have a kid with autism and they'll seek something to blame it on because they would rather have something to blame than just admit that you know yeah sometimes you get crap luck and life is like that sometimes so they, so, so they look for something to blame it on um and you know vaccines are like the one thing that has any sort of modicum of uh relevance at all right that's very true all I've ever done is tell the truth, Quincy Jones says in an off-the-wall interview with Vulture. I've got nothing to be scared of, man. Among the self-proclaimed truths about uh, told by the legendary music producer, he dated Ivanka Trump 12 years. I thought he was married to Peggy Lipton. He was for a long time, but I think they got divorced 15 or 20 years ago. But they oh, were They I were married for like 30 years, I think. That's what I thought. For yeah. those of you that don't know those... who Peggy Lipton was, she starred in Mod Squad. She was the woman in Mod Squad. Julie, And for those of you who don't know what Mod Squad is... The TV show. A ridiculous premise where three hippies became cops so they could bust the inner rings of the drug trade. Yeah, it was terrible. It was a terrible show. Uh, In any case, uh, among the self-proclaimed truths told by the legendary music producer, he dated Ivanka Trump 12 years ago. Microsoft co-founder Paul Allen sings and plays just like Hendrix. And everything he's ever done was innovative. The experiences I've had, the 80... He's 84? Wow. Oh, my God. I had no idea he was that Back up to the Paul Allen plays and sings like Hendrix part. What? That's what he says. Wait, he dated Ivanka or Ivana? It says Ivanka. Well, Ivanka, he's... 84. And she's like 25. Ivanka is, yeah, 36. 36. So I don't know about that. 
So he dated her when she was 24 years old? Yeah. And, and she, he, <laughs> she would have been 24 and he would have been like, what, 72. 60, 72, yeah. I yeah, don't... Uh, I'm pretty sure. I don't know about happen. that. I'm pretty sure that... Uh, the, br- the brain's starting to soften up a little bit. Mm. Yeah, it says here, Microsoft co-founder Paul Allen sings and plays just like Hendrix. Okay. I'm not buying it. He probably got free stock for that. Yeah. You almost can't believe it. Here's what Jones had to say on the Trumps, rock music, Hillary Clinton, uh, and all kinds of other stuff. Um, on Michael Jackson, Michael stole a lot of stuff. He stole a lot of songs. He was a Machiavellian. As Machiavellian as they come, he was greedy, man. Well, didn't Quincy Jones produce Thriller? I think, I think he did. I thought those kids got along. Apparently not. Oh, God, this guy, what a prick. Oh, God, what a jerk. On Hillary Clinton, when you keep secrets, they backfire. This is something else I shouldn't be talking about. I know too much, man. On rock music, rock ain't nothing but a white version of rhythm and blues. F. You know, I met Paul McCartney when he was 21. On the Beatles, he says they were the worst musicians in the world. They were no plan effers. Paul was the worst bass player I've ever heard. And Ringo, don't even talk about it. Is there anybody you like, Quincy? Oh, boy. Does, does not seem like it. Anybody you like uh, out there? On the state of the United States, we're the worst we've ever been. But that's why we're seeing uh, people try to fix it. Feminism, women are saying that they're not going to take it anymore. Racism, people are fighting it. God is pushing the bad in our face to make people fight back. On President Trump, I used to hang out with him. He's a crazy effer, limited mentally, a megalomaniac, narcissistic. I can't stand him. Somebody better back off the crown royal a little bit, it sounds like. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Exactly, Quincy. Back off the crown royal, buddy. Uh, I used to date Ivanka. She was a, I don't know, it just says expletive. She was a fine F, apparently. (laughs) She had the most beautiful legs I ever saw in my life. Wrong father, though. I'm not buying that she, when she was 24, she was dating you at 72. No, I don't think so. On jazz, people gave it, gave it up to chase money. When you go after, is it Chirac vodka? Um, I don't know. I don't know how you say that. Ciroc. None of us know, so it's yeah, whatever vodka. you want. When you go after Chirac vodka and fat, fa- fat farm and all that Shiite, God walks out of the room. I love how he keeps referencing God like he's holy. <laughs> okay, Quincy. I hate everyone, but I love God. On modern pop music, it's just loops, beats, rhymes, and hooks. What is there for me to learn from that? There ain't no good, I don't know, whatever songs. And on Marlon Brando, he could dance his ass off. He was the most charming effer you ever met. He'd F anything, anything. He'd F a mailbox. He's not wrong. He's probably not wrong with Marlon Brando, but, you know, wouldn't you think at 84 you'd want to be happier than that? Yeah, really. Alzheimer's makes people all uh, ornery. And I, you know... You think that's Alzheimer's? Well, considering he's saying things that are almost certainly not true and he hates everyone. <laughs> he hates everyone. That or he's everyone. just a huge jerk. Well, he's always kind of been a huge jerk. Hell of a talent, though. You can't take that away from the guy. Uh, the guy is a hell of a talent. But I, didn't re- I did not know he was 84 years old. Did you have any idea he was that old? Well, you know, every day I'm just amazed how old I am. I look in the mirror and go, Dad, what are you doing well, here? Well, that's true. You know, it's just, I do still think I'm 20. Like yeah, I, yeah, I do. Although my dad oh, looks, see, he look, I, 
He looks a little bit more like Mr. Rogers than I do. Oh, he does? Yep. Hey, Doug, time to get out of bed and go to school. <laughs> get up and go to school. Actually, I look like my father, but only in my eyes. I have my, my father's eyes, most definitely. But that's it. Uh, as I pointed out to uh, Maggie earlier on the show, Steve Wynn has resigned from his own company. Casino mogul Steve Wynn resigned yesterday as chairman and CEO of Wynn Resorts amid sexual misconduct allegations. In the last couple of weeks, I have found myself the focus of an avalanche of negative publicity. When, uh, he, and he did call himself the focus, not the victim of. He said the focus of. Is that interesting? Not really. Especially for a yeah, blind you, guy. Well, what do you, what's that supposed to be? <laughs> the focus of. Get it? Anyway. Oh, my God. Wait, is he blind? Yeah, yeah, he is. Oh. Well, then he is how do you know he wasn't just, like, looking for the coffee maker? <laughs> exactly. Uh, the, the, this doesn't feel right. This, the handle on the coffee pot has changed. It's squishy. It's much more pliable. It's squishy. I've reached a conclusion I cannot continue to be effective in my current roles. The move follows a Wall Street Journal report that a number of women said Wynn harassed or assaulted them, and that one case led to a $7.5 million settlement with a manicurist who said she was forced to have sex with him. The Las Vegas billionaire has vehemently denied the allegations, which he attributes to a campaign led by his ex-wife. Last month, Wynn resigned as finance chairman of the Republican National Committee. Since 2003, Wynn has contributed nearly $2.4 million to GOP candidates and party organizations around the world, including Nevada Governor Brian Sandoval and 2017 special election winners. Some Republicans in Congress, including Nevada's Dean Heller, have already announced that they are donating contributions they received from Wynn to charity, the AP reports. Wynn also faces investigation by gambling re- regulators in two states. That is not good news. No, that feds will when get you're being invested. Oh, the Fed! If the feds go after you for gambling abuses, you got major, major problems coming your way. So think about this: you're it's a billionaire, a- and you live in a town that's literally littered with hookers, and you can still wind up that's right harassing chambermaids or whatever. Unbelievable! Yeah, that's, that's a power still- thing, I think. That's, that's what it right is. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that's what Maggie talked about earlier. I don't see power in that. See, I literally learned power is to protect people from that kind of thing. That's right. I, I don't know. That's what I, whatever. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. What are the things you want to avoid when it comes time to sell your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl. If you're like most people, it's things like open houses, staging, decluttering, repairs, maintenance, and all the people coming through your house. Hey, Tom, the Guaranteed Offer Program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate was created for people like you so that you can avoid the things that you don't like doing when it comes time to sell your home. We have been presenting offers for homes in most price ranges. Homeowners are loving our guaranteed offer program, especially how much money they are making on their home sale without the inconveniences. So this program is for all price ranges and conditions, including perfectly maintained homes? Most homes do qualify. To see if your home qualifies, go to chrislindahl.com and click Get Offer right now. Will you be the next homeowner to accept an offer from our guaranteed offer program? Find out now. If you qualify, you will get an offer in 48 hours or less, and the best part is you get to pick a closing date that is convenient for you and close in as little as three weeks. Go to chrislindahl.com right now to see if you qualify or call 763-401-SOLD. That is 763-401-SOLD. 
Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. Stevie Wonder, ladies and gentlemen, what do you think of that? One of my favorites. Really like unbelievable. Wonder. Yep. He really is. Wrote wonderful songs. Still like the Grace Jones songs. line. Who was, oh, that? was that? Oh, the Grace Jones. Yeah. Oh God, that was uh, Rick James. <laughs> you know that one, Doug? I I can't remember. It's something about her uh, hair or hat or something. It was about her hat. She was wearing about a five foot hat. I mean, swear to God, it stuck out two and a half feet on all sides. So across. It was about five feet wide, and Rick James at the Grammys gets up. He says, "Man, Stevie Wonder, you should see the hat that Grace Jones is wearing." <laughs> that is so cold. I mean, that's just terrible. Good God, Rick! No wonder you died at about fourteen. How old was Rick James when he died? Oh, he was in his mid forties. He had, he, some, was, he had some serious drug problems. He, he was only he 36. He Wait, was, no, not even close. <laughs> Hold on, I'm getting yeah, this. Conflicting results? Yes, uh, 56. He was 56 when he died. Did he die of a drug overdose? Um, uh, It's looking it's like it, but let's just. hat that Andy's wearing. Pulmonary failure, cardiac failure, yes, probably. Probably drugs. Alprazolam, diazepam, bupropion, citalopram, hydrocodone, digoxin. Okay, yeah, he had so much stuff in his system. What is all of that? He died of kale. He he had a bunch of benzos. He had meth and coke in his blood. He had some opiates. Um, Yeah, he had all of the things. He was hidden for cycle. Yeah, I guess so. Hitting for the cycle. Yeah, he basically took everything in uh, an effort to cure, I guess, his because he, he had diabetes and his heart oh, was messed up. Oh, God. Oh, God. Well, that's why he died at 56. Yes. It was the way it is. I read this story earlier today, and I just, I do not believe one word of this story. See if you guys believe these stats, okay? Okay. Here's a spoiler alert on what your coworkers are doing today. Uh, watching porn, especially the women. According to a new survey, 85% of women say they watch porn at work. Oh, I don't believe that. Is this the Larry Flint survey? Yeah. (laughs) At work? I don't know about that. That's what they're saying, that 85% of women watch porn at work, and that number seems extraordinarily high. Like, I didn't know 85% of women watch porn, period, let alone at work. And that's why more than the number of, that's way more than the number of men watching at work, which clocked in at 59 percent. 
Some other results from the survey, 18% of people have been caught watching porn at work, and 28% have caught someone else watching porn at work. 10% watch at least once a day, 4% watch multiple times a day, and 57%, now here's a stat, this is men and women together, 57% of people have masturbated while they watched porn at work. What the hell job do you do? (laughs) I hope you Solo astronaut? I guess the most common places <laughs> in the bathroom, but 16% have done it at their desk, and 15% have done it in an empty office or conference room. Do you believe any of that? No. No. I, I uh, would assume it's, I mean, there's 350 million people in the country. Somebody's done yeah, it. Yeah, it's like but, some. Yeah, but that, I don't know. 85% of women watching porn at work. I don't. That's I, a very high number. I don't know if I'm buying that. I'm sorry, but it's. No. God, isn't that terrible? Somebody robbed Gronkowski's house while he was scoring a touchdown. This is what's so bizarre. They reported his touchdown at 848, right? Yep. 848. His house was robbed at 850. (laughs) That's, oh, God. Honestly, God, two minutes after he scores a touchdown. Ooh, Darkness Dave says he believes 85% of women watch porn at work. Really? We'll have to ask him. He'll be in tomorrow. I'll have to ask him then. But, yeah, this poor guy scoring a touchdown and losing a Super Bowl, all the rest of it, he gets home and he finds out his house was robbed while he was out of town. And then somebody revealed it was uh, four safes and possibly several guns. Wow. That's what was taken. So wouldn't you think that somebody who knows him? Yeah, you'd have to know. You'd have to think that. I have several guns in my house. And I have a couple of safes in my house, not money safes, but gun safes. But you'd never find them. If you went to my house, you'd have to be in there for hours before you found them. You'd eventually find them, but you'd have to be there for hours to find them. Is it in the closet that's labeled, don't look in here? Don't look in here. Or No, it's behind the door that says safe on it. It says right there. Oh, God. Could you do me a favor and please, uh, is there, there's got to be a certain part of the brain. Andy, you know a lot about brain and all the separate parts of the brain, don't you? Uh, compared to average, yeah. Is there a part that I could get numbed so if I ever see the name Jenner or Kardashian again, I, I won't be able to read what it says It'd be your or optic, recognize it? Your optic nerve, we can remove that and you don't have to worry about <laughs> Just it. Just remove it completely? Well, technically, yes, if you cut out that part of your hippocampus, but I don't know if you'd want to do that. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Probably a bad idea. Probably not a good plan. Uh, I might okay, sacrifice I it so uh, I don't have to hear anything about the Kardashians again. <laughs> mm. I'm telling you, honestly. So what did Kim and Kanye just name their latest kid again? What was that? It was uh, They got North, and they got... Uh, what? What is it? The, they got three kids now. There's North, and there's... Um, what else they got? If they had a sense Maybe of humor. Saint, I think, was one. Oh, yeah, Saint. Saint was in, in Chicago. Yes. Oh. That's what it is. Saint, North, and Chicago. Saint, North, and Chicago. But it's known as Shy. Shy, uh, uh, whatever the hell his last name is. West. The hell is his name again? West, yeah, yeah. Shy West. Okay, well, Kylie Jenner, is the is she the youngest sister of the Kardashians, or who is she? I think so. I, yeah. I don't know who she sure. even is. Kylie Jenner announced the name of her newborn daughter, and it's interesting. Her name is Stormy. Oh. Mm. She named her kid Stormy. 
Oh my God! Wait till you hear why. Yes, the spelling is one letter off because she spells it with an I, but it's still the name of the most famous and controversial porn star of our day, Stormy Daniels, which the internet was quite quick to point out. But someone else made a more interesting observation. The Kardashian girls seem to be formulating a weather forecast with their kids' names. It will be stormy with a chance of rain in the north of Chicago. Uh, okay. Courtney Kardashian has a son named Rain, mm-hmm. while North and Chicago are two of Kim's kids. You're making a strong case for day drinking. <laughs> hey, I haven't heard that term in a long time. Day drinking. That's a good term, man. You're making a strong case for... You think they're, they're formulating a weather... Think of it this way. Maybe they're so stupid that they actually saw that forecast and said, Hey, all of those are really good names. Those people are, they're worth hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. They've done unbelievably in, uh, you know, in business, all the rest of it. Mm -hmm. But don't you get the impression they're incredibly stupid people? Yes. I think if they had any sense of humor, one of them would have named one of their kids Clarence. That'd be funny. Clarence Kardashian? Yeah. Yeah, To offset the stormy and all these goofy names. I just anyway. stormy and north and saint and west and oh god Chicago. just when i think you've oh said the stupidest thing ever you keep talking <laughs> <laughs> that's very funny actually that all works for me there's no question about we it we had a phone call i don't know that, who's calling no nick called in to say uh or to apologize for not being here he forgot it was wednesday <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez! Oh, that's okay. We we don't apologize. We consider it a favor. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm sorry. You call into this show, you're going to take a shot. That's just how it is. Drummers, here's one for you. Why is a why is a uh, funk band like a bull? Because <laughs> the horns are up front and the assholes in the back. <laughs> God, that's really nice. See now that. We're getting there, so it's time to tell a very sweet story on the show today, don't you think? Yep. After three hours, we should do one. (laughs) One very sweet story. The new face of Gerber represents a milestone. The company has picked one-year-old Lucas Warren of Dalton, Georgia, as this year's Gerber baby. And Lucas is the first child with Down syndrome selected for the honor, reports People. He never meets a stranger, says Mom Courtney who tells Today.com that she entered the contest without giving it too much thought. Gerber then chose Lucas out of about 140,000 submissions, calling him a perfect fit. Dad Jason says he hopes that this will shed a little bit of light on the special needs community and help more individuals with special needs be accepted and not limited. Uh, Lucas says his big smile on his face. He's very, very happy. He's all dressed up in his green shirt with a bow tie, and he's got some white pants on. He's just very, very happy to be involved. There's it's a very, guy. Very cool. There's a guy with Down syndrome at the church that we used to go to before we switched, and he was about 80 years old, which is really unusual. I mean, it's mm-hmm. rare yes, with it people is. Downs to make it much into their 30s. I think. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, I got to read this uh, message I just got. I just got this text from L.A. Nick. Crap! I took a day of rest on Monday. Uh, oh, you Christ! A day of rest, <laughs> and it just blended I right into the rest of, re- of the week. 
Exactly. So it's the same as every other day. Is that what you're saying? He just treated Monday like the, the rest of the, your life. Uh, I took a day of rest Monday and forgot today was Wednesday. And then there's another line. I had a lot to say, too. Like I said, <laughs> boy, did we catch a break. <laughs> did we catch a break today? <laughs> uh, but honestly, God, back to Lucas Warren. That is very cool. The kid, like, Lucas just looks like he's extremely happy. You know? That is He's got great. the big smile. He's got his tongue hanging out. Good on, good on Gerber. So good for you guys. Yeah, I've always liked that company anyway. They do a nice job, right? Mm-hmm. As far as I know, they do. I mean, I don't know everything about them, but it seems like they uh, they know what they're doing. But it's just, yeah, anything. Now, see, this is what I'm talking about. Instead of talking about how none of the races can get along and everybody hates everybody and, oh, my God, ah, la, 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 la. I got very upset that people did not like the Martin Luther King Dodge commercial. It was the 50th anniversary of the day he made the speech, February 4th, 1968. It was a great speech. I remember the speech. It was a wonderful speech. I don't think they used it to sell cars or trucks or anything. They just wanted to honor a great man for a great speech on the 50th anniversary of the speech. Why can't we just leave it alone? I thought it was a good move. And and it's unusual because Dodge usually pushes the edge on their commercials, especially Super Bowl. Very edgy, yeah. But that was, uh, I thought it was, it was cool. And I, I, I didn't realize that it was exactly 50 years ago to that day. I thought that was cool that they did that. I thought it was too. I, I, but I'm a big fan of Martin Luther King, and unfortunately, people today are not. They kind of just toss Dr. Martin Luther King aside and all the things that he said because there's no money to be made from the things that he says. Yeah, I know it. You know, when he's you know he says things like uh, colorblind, and he talks about the content of your character. Uh, there's no money to be made telling people that kind of thing. But that's what happened. You know, I wonder I, if there's going to be anything I, on the media in the 50th anniversary, which is, what, two months away? Um, Wasn't yeah, it, it April, April 4th. April 4th or April 5th? It was April 4th. And it was not Friday night. It was in the morning. Yeah, like 10 yeah, o'clock or something, bastards. wasn't it? It was like 10 o'clock in the morning, April 4th, 1968. He was in Memphis, Tennessee, and some psycho honky shot him and killed him with a rifle. What was that guy's name? See, you know what? I'm very happy about this. I cannot remember that guy's name. Is it James Earl Ray? Yeah, there you go. That's, that's exactly what it is. I was about I to say James Earl Jones, and I'm going, that's not right. I'm, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to go out on the balcony. You hear him talking to himself about it. James Earl Jones. I believe today I'll shoot someone. And there, that man there. Yeah. That man, I don't know who it is, but I'm shooting him anyway. <laughs> But no, I I tip my hat to Dodge because I think what <laughs> the French? I don't know. Ah, oh, the fr- doesn't he have to do anything? <laughs> it's still one of my favorite lines of all time. And James Adomian does a brilliant impression of the whole thing. There's at one point James Adomian said, "Well, doesn't he have to do anything?" Ah, oh, the French. There's a champagne. That, and as he's delivering the speech, he reaches up on the table and drags an entire chicken into his lap. <laughs> so we just did James Earl Jones doing Orson Welles drunk shooting Martin Luther King. That's exactly Brilliant. what we did. What other show you'd hear that on? Huh? <laughs>
Tom here for my friends at Walzer Automotive Group with some exciting news. Walzer's rolling out Walzer Care on new and most used cars they sell in Minnesota. Well, Walzer Care is a powertrain warranty with coverage for 10 years or 150,000 miles. Powertrain coverage is like major medical coverage for your car. Engines, transmissions, all the really expensive stuff is covered. In addition, Walzer Care includes 24-hour roadside assistance. Lock your keys in your car, run out of gas, have a flat tire. Guess what? Walzer has your back. The best thing about Walzer Care, it's free with purchase. That's right, I said free. So, if you're shopping for a new or used Subaru, Honda, Nissan, Mazda, Toyota, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Hyundai, or Chevrolet, see my friends at Walzer and get Walzer Care for free. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? The well, latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us. We talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. And have been for a long time. Very, very successful. No question. I, I, you know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say... Why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? <laughs> and I just had no answer for <laughs> He just looks away, you big baby. In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state. So we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean, Bryant. Where's the manager? Walzer Automotive presents Car Selling Secrets. We even have our own theme song, isn't that catchy? It just turns out his wife is the singer, so. Yeah, yeah. we all family about half an hour. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, the whole family's involved. Nepotism runs rampant. My wife, our son, our daughter, our buddy Cassie, it's all a family. You can't deal. do it on a podcast. Right on Where can you do it? Exactly. That's exactly right. It's 100% correct. No Ryan, question. Ryan Winkler is our guest in the studio. He's the majority, Bemidji's own. majority leader in the House of Representatives in the Minnesota uh, legislature. We're very, what are you, like, Thank 19? you for coming on. <laughs> I'm all of uh, 43. You're 43. With the leader, that's pretty impressive. Now, before we get started uh, in the car selling secrets tradition, you have to tell us the story about your first car, and it's okay to make up something cool if it was boring. Well, I don't think it was boring. Okay. Uh, although it was my mom's car, it was my first car, uh, her old one. She, uh, in 1977, got a Cadillac Coupe de Ville. Ooh, uh, Burgundy fancy. with burgundy leather interior. Oh. Very fancy. And drove it from 77 until I suppose I started driving it in 92. So it was 15 years old, showing Perfect. a little bit of body wear, but had uh, 200,000 miles, drove perfectly, and was a great first car to cruise around in uh, as a teenager. <laughs> She's not that cutthroat. Is that, uh, was that your approach? My father would have sold it to us. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> even, if, even if it was 50 bucks, we would have had to pay. Interestingly <laughs> enough, had to pay. in 1991, I was... My first marriage went down in flames, and I got no. to drive a divorce mobile, which I bought for $500. It was a 78 Coupe de Ville. It's a great car. And I uh, finally sold it when things were getting better a couple years later. It was great. It, it just did. It liked gasoline, as I remember. Liked it a lot. I was not aware that, that you've ever been divorced. I know. It's shocking, isn't it? So I started playing Monday night. It's at the Blue Saloon in Frogtown. And a couple weeks after I'd sold the car, I was going in there to set up, and I saw it. 
at the corner, and it looked way nicer than it ever did when I owned it. So we walk into the neighborhood. The, the, the band was upstairs, up the flight of stairs. The neighbors all hung out in the, the bar in the corner, and I walked in and said, who owns that Coupe de Ville outside? And this huge black guy turns around and goes, that's mine, why? And I said, I used to own that car. And he goes, really? I want to ask you some questions here. Can I buy a beer? <laughs> so it was really nice. So. Well, I felt, oh, for my, I, you know, I fell in love with the car, and so when I was finishing law school, I was trolling around, seeing what cars were available, and I found another one for sale for, with 40,000 miles. Oh, wow. And uh, I was graduating, and my first uh, baby lawyer car was another 77 Coupe de Ville, which I kept until I had a first child. Now, what kind of law did you specialize in? You you graduated from the university. I, I did, yeah, and I still am practicing. And you know, the legislature is a part-time job, yeah. and it pays like a part-time job. Not that I'm complaining, but that's a fact of life that we all deal with. So, so I'm still a business lawyer. I work in-house at technology okay. companies. That that is a, that is something. I know it, you know with social media, there's so much fury about everything, and the uh, you know the Senate in uh, the, the federal government they make what seems to be a pretty good wage 180 grand a, month, a year a month if it was a month that's I'd almost run, like Tom Bernard yeah. Ooh. I'm surprised you know who I am <laughs> he just took usually a shot politicians know who I am they don't go anywhere near me it's hilarious <laughs> but what do you make <laughs> as a, uh, uh, a legislator in Minnesota isn't it like 35 or 40 we got a big pay raise to $45,000 a year Okay, so people that look at everybody and making swimming in the high, living in high Well, lawyers make good money though, so you're doing fine. I'm doing all right. I'm that's not complaining, yeah. but you do have to have two jobs yeah. to make it work. Well, it's good, and that's a good idea. It is a good idea. I agree with because the completely. schedule was originally set up for agriculture, right? Mm-hmm. In the early days of the oh, state. I bet yeah. that's true. There used to be a session every other year, and so you know. You would come make a budget for two years and leave and come back two years later if you got reelected. You know, i got to point out something because I was talking to Ryan. I said, you're my guy. He goes, actually, I'm not. My district is south of Highway 55. But the reason I just assumed you were is because your lawn signs are everywhere in our neighborhood. And I, why would that be if you're not even our guy? Apparently, they don't know you're not our guy. They're just enthusiastic. They're very enthusiastic. <laughs> He's a Democrat. It's voter fraud. You understand oh, how it works. Well. See, Kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm just a I'm joke. A guy I'm a joke. It's a is joke. it good guy, bad guy? That's uh, what this cut is. Cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> cut it out. But no, I, I just, but yeah, you have a lot of lawn signs up in our neighbor along Golden Valley Road. So apparently everybody likes you, so that's good. Either that or they're wasting money. Well, you might be remembering years ago, the district lines changed. Oh, this was recent. Okay. So you, were you, how long have you been serving our... our, our doing what you do. I was elected... Served, in, I said serving, not doing, but serving. I was elected in 2006. Really? Uh, served until 2015. I stepped down for a couple of years and ran again in 18. You got elected when you were 29? Yes, that's true. Twenty nine. <laughs> you had to think that through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your math there is faster than my math. I got. I got. A, I got one of those sad deals with math. It's just not good. It's not a good thing, got man. One of those sad deals with math. So well, I you was, know what I'm saying. I just. I can what? see numbers. I can see numbers before. I, I can see numbers in my head before I say them. You're like it's Rain Man, good. basically, is what you're saying. I'm an excellent driver. In so yeah. many ways. He's <laughs> not an excellent driver. driver. He I'm an excellent he driver. He rear-ended us while I was pregnant. 
when we were on a road trip and he was driving behind us. Right, and that's Not my daughter Alex right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, well, we, that's why we passed saying. the hands-free law. That's <laughs> right, hands-free, baby. By the way, one of the greatest yeah. ideas of all time. I, I noticed a huge difference. Have you? Yes, I do. Not and here's what I've noticed. Before that passed, and I drive a lot in the city, uh, you know, not on the highways, I, every other stoplight I'd be behind somebody, I'd have to honk at them yeah. to get them going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now it, it maybe happens once a week, if if, if less than that. So I, huh. that's just personal experience. High 100, you still difference. find some people doing it. Yeah, I, I don't know why that is on 100. They like to, Maybe it's on all the freeways they like doing yeah. it. I don't really understand. You know, it's a numbers why. game. It's not going to eliminate well, it. Yeah. But if it cuts yeah, it down, fewer people get killed, and it's good. I'm too big of a candy ass to do it. I cannot look down at anything and drive. I can't. Oh, it scares me to death to do that. Because, I mean, you're, you're going along at 60. <laughs> so, well, how did you rear end your wife and pregnant daughter? Well, he you have tailgates to like crazy. <laughs> I do not tailgate. Horribly. And well, he's either accelerating guy. or braking. There's no coasting. What was it? It's the, yeah, and that's how you that's drive. what you do with the I don't know that you have to jump in too, honey. <laughs> I was in the car that you hit. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you backed into me if I remember. <laughs> uh, on the freeway. We yes, just, you backed yeah. into me on the freeway. Absolutely, Ryan. I think it's a great thing that you're appearing on the show here because I, I think a lot of people uh, would like to hear the real person, and I, you don't really see it that much. Even Governor Walls right now, you don't really see him just be himself all that often. You know. Not that he, I, I understand he's a nice guy. I've never met him, but I understand that Governor Wall is a good guy. But you don't really see that personal side much anymore. And, and I don't, why do you think that is? I think it's risky. You know, in this environment oh, okay. that we're in, you yeah. know, I, I'm pretty sure that nobody's perfect. And mm-hmm. so whenever you show too Except much for of yourself. my boss, Paul Walzer. <laughs> yeah, Paul Walzer's Paul. perfect. <laughs> Has he sent the check? I hope so. Okay, there go right. ahead. Sorry, Ryan. Well, he has you on doing this show, so that's there, right. Are, <laughs> that's right. there must be something wrong somewhere. Yeah, 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 something's definitely wrong. Wow, we took a shot. I like this guy. That's yeah, how it All should right. be. That's how life should be, right there. But you know, you got to be careful because everybody's looking for every single flaw, yeah. and they're going to use it. And there's this whole army of people out there on social media, and the bigger you are, you know, on cable news and everywhere else, they're going to be looking. Remember when Obama got in trouble because he wore a tan suit? Oh, that was a big crisis. I remember no. that. It was like 2013 no. or something. Yeah, Why? they didn't have anything else to bitch about that so particular I, week, I never and they all went any mental. To that kind of Why did they look like his tan suit? It is garbage until you're the person. Who's the target well, of it? Of course, yes. Oh, I, she's been through that. Believe me, being yeah. married to me, she's been down that road many times. I admire yeah. Ellen DeGeneres for sticking up. I for do too. Bush. Ellen I DeGeneres, that was just great. First of all, I think she's funny as hell. Anyway, yeah, I do too. And I really, really like the fact she stepped up and said, "Look, I, you know." And you know Michelle Obama is one of Bush's best friends? Yes. Those two are tight as tigers. It's just yeah, I, weird I that people we, would get incensed about. Ryan, that. do you think we'll ever drop this whole deal with "If you don't agree with me, I hate you"? We will have to. I mean, one way or the other. Uh, I think hopefully the pendulum swings. This whole social media, cable news environment, it's it's relatively new in our culture. And I think there's already, uh, when I go to DFL dinners and I talk about how you need to have the courage to, like, listen to somebody else Mm -hmm. and actually have a conversation and share some points of view if you don't agree – uh, they really respond positively to that. I think mm-hmm. people are hungering for that, but Good. there's nobody out there saying it or knowing how to do it. And you make too much money uh, in the media by playing up That's conflict. Right. Oh, yeah. Right? Pe- oh, yeah. Peace and relaxation and cooperation are not, you know, that's not clickbait, right? right. So 
it's just the incentives are skewed. I think eventually the culture will sort of back off some of that because people will get really tired of it. We do have our uh, call-in line is working, apparently. If anybody has any questions or comments, you can call us. Got it all teed up. 612-295-1526. Do we have the same number? Well, we still use for the now. other for phone. Now. Yeah. Oh, for now. We'll okay. be transitioning we're, we're to another try- phone. Well, but we're trying to keep the same number for those that would like to call in in the future. I we got to make some calls. They have to release I the old number. I have to make some calls. And then give it back <clears throat> to us. I need to talk oh, to it's Matt. A thing. Yep. <laughs> Matt. Yeah. Matt. So that's Ryan. <laughs> if you want to call 295-1526, I read your bio, and you were an undergrad at Harvard. Is that right? That's right. What did you, what did you study, and how did you get to Harvard from uh, Bemidji? Uh, dumb luck in part. Uh, so, uh, you know, my dad builds log homes for a living. Mm-hmm. My mom's an x-ray tech. I didn't go there because I was a legacy. But I, had, I was lucky that there was um, a girl a couple years older than me who went and uh, came back to school and told us basically that if we got good test scores, we had a shot at getting into Ivy League schools. Wow. And if we got in, places like Harvard would make it affordable for your family regardless of financial circumstances. And so I was sold. I thought, well, all right, I learned something today that's going to be of value to me. I went home, told my mom I wanted to go to Harvard. And she kind of looked at me and just sort of paused a second. Grabbed the bourbon. No, she just said, (laughs) she said, all right, what do we need to do? And my dad was on the phone with the admissions counselors out there before long. We had a garage sale. Oh, and you had a different got, mom than mine. We got air, <laughs> had a garage sale to buy airline tickets to go out and visit. Aww. And my dad can talk to anybody. Uh, and so at the end, he was talking to the admissions counselor, and she said, oh, tell him not to worry. We'll admit him. So wow. it was the only school I applied for. That's amazing. So you didn't do story. the Felicity Huffman deal and bribe the uh, track coach? To well, get, we don't I'm just know kidding. what she did. He was more she like Lori is Lori going to prison for like 10 years? Everybody else is like, I got a week, two yeah. weeks. I got a month. I got two months. When we get to Lori, well, it's going to be a while. She was way out of line with the, with the, with the court system, and she is going to pay for it. Yeah, that. I don't, I don't that think that'll play well for her. What, what was your degree in? As an History. Oh, really? Okay. My dad uh, got his Ph.D. there and taught there from 64 till 70. That's how we wound up. He was not on the tenure track, so we had the family meeting. I was probably 12, and he goes, all right. We can go to the University of Minnesota or Biloxi, Mississippi. Oh. <clears throat> and you would probably not pick Biloxi today. I can't imagine what it was like in 1970. Biloxi's not a bad town now, actually. 50 years later. Yeah, 50 years later. <laughs> well, there is that. But that whole, it's a, it's a, well, it's a big military town. Yeah. My dad served in Biloxi is. in uh, the mid-60s. Yeah. Oh, did he? Force. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. And I don't think it was a very nice town <laughs> no, from his so. telling well, of the story. Going really into town, town, yeah. Really. Yeah, no, kind of a couple I of casinos. It's more of an area. It was an, an education <laughs> for a kid from the Northwoods. I suppose, yeah. So what so. Uh, type of history did you study? Uh, American history, okay. know, especially political history. Kind of a natural tie-in with what I'm doing now. That's cool. And that's very interesting, actually. I, I, history is... Do they write it correctly these days? Because I understand that we're rewriting a lot of our history these days. I don't know if that's Depends true. History is always written that way. It, it, it really it, is. It's always it? written according to the values of the time you're writing it, not according <laughs> right. to what happened in the moment. That's very, very true. So, so we're changing our attitudes about a lot of things, and we're changing yeah. our attitudes about what happened in the past. You'll appreciate this conversation. My son was... I think 16, and my daughter was 13, so it was three years ago, and we've always had great dinner conversations, and for some reason, they were having the classic 
big government, small government argument. And it was raging on for 10 minutes, and they're holding their own. And I'm like, you know, I'm not worried about this generation. They're smart. They get it. It's, it's nice to tarm. <clears throat> so my son, who's the older, says, you know, Ellie, maybe you should just read the Federalist Papers. And she goes, what makes you think that I haven't? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. That was my story. It was it's a great story. I, it's Doug's. Doug's uh, your phone rings. It's not Kelsey. ringing. Shot. Quit picking on me. Well, you know why what else happened? Yeah, why shouldn't we? We're going to take me? a break in about another forty-five seconds. When we come back, I really want to talk about this new uh, initiative that the Minnesota uh, legislature is taking on about the EPA restrictions and electric cars and infrastructure. It's going to be. I've got a lot of questions about it. I've been in the car business since the early '80s. I've been studying electric cars. Uh, some of it's kind of cool, and some of it I'm like, mm, do they really understand how this works? So that's what we'll be talking about. We'll actually talk about automotive stuff, not just picking well, on me. We're not oh, picking man. on you. We were oh, picking on you. You picked on my phone. Oh. It's off. Your phone's a disaster. People tune in for us to pick <laughs> on you. It's a total disaster. I also want to ask Ryan a question. Now, do you, is North Minneapolis part of your area, or at least part of North Minneapolis? Or no, not? no part of Minneapolis. Not, so no, who is that then that would be our our person? Uh, Mike Freiberg. Oh, yeah, okay, Mike Freiberg, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Well, I got some questions about that, too, even though it's not your just I, I don't understand. I, it was revealed I, to me, and maybe it was up before, but the biggest disparity between black workers and white workers in America is in the 5th District of Minneapolis. In America. How is that possible? Think about that and come up with I'll a have great answer. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, there you go. I just don't see how that's possible. One of the wealthiest states in the country. We'll be right back with this and more exciting information. All right. <laughs> Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. There's no better time than now to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they wanted to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them that I sent you and save $500 on your LASIK. Offer good for a limited time. Call Whiting Clinic for details. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Tom Bernard here, and with me is the CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Tell me, Michael, I was reading on your website that one of your bankers has worked with a customer for more than 30 years. It's a long time for any business relationship. Is that common? Not only 30 years, but two generations. Our great client, Northland Fastening Systems. 30 years is definitely not common for a lot of bankers, but Brad has developed a relationship with that trusted customer that has allowed them to show steady growth every year they've been together. Building the relationship of trust is what we do best. It allows us to make quick deals that benefit them and all of our business customers. The cool thing is that it gives us a chance to be more than your banker, hopefully a partner, and maybe even a friend. I have never liked you, by the way. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience? Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Thanks, friend. And you are? <laughs> Real nice. Chuck Nabla. <laughs> Chuck Nabla. <laughs>
does that look on your face? Back then, the audio's not, it sounds different today. Sounds fine to me. Really? Yeah, I wonder if it's my head. What are you, high? No, Probably, I, I again. THC before you got No, 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 no. I, medical, of course. Mommy high medical, again. Medical. Yeah. No, I've been having issues with my headphones ever since I came in here. It's you want like a new one? constantly adjusting. Yeah. I don't know if I'm just sitting in a bad spot. You'll be Ear fine. Don't, don't worry. Don't yeah, All right. Andy. I got questions. Good luck. Thank you. So um, we're here with Ryan Winkler, who's the majority leader of the House of Representatives of the state of Minnesota. And I went to a press conference in South St. Paul that Mayor Jimmy Francis invited me to, the man mm-hmm. who seems to be everywhere. And the governor was announcing a new initiative for greener, cleaner cars, um, and there's a, a couple of different parts to it. And I know you guys can't be experts on everything, but this is what I understood him to be trying to do. you see the face he do. just made? That was a large one. You well, can't be experts on everything. And Ryan goes, well, you know, <laughs> automobiles are, I mean, me. cars are my entire life other than my funny. kids. I mean, it's just a small part of what you have to know about. Thanks, Tom. No, I was complimenting our guest. That's all. So essentially he did a couple of things. There's a initiative and i think there's 14 or 15 states that are 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 following the california standards and the reason for that is uh ever since the epa was created they had tailpipe emission uh, regulations and it would get stricter and stricter every year obama administration really put out some tough ones the manufacturers were well on their way to hitting it although it looked like it was they weren't going to quite get there Uh, the current administration decided that they wanted to roll back uh, the uh, the restrictions for cars to an older level. And California is like, yeah, they've had a waiver since the first law was written in 1970 that they could set their own. So a bunch of uh, states, from what I understand, Minnesota is now one of them, are going to follow the, uh, the California standard. And in addition, four of the largest automakers in the world, and remember, right, it's Honda, Ford, BMW, and Volkswagen have signed up uh, for the California standard, which is a little less respect, restrictive than the previous Obama one, but it's, it's more difficult than the, uh, what the Trump administration's uh, proposing. And this is likely to wind up in the Supreme Court, I think. Uh, it's, it's setting up to be a big court battle, but, but the, the, the main part of the governor's conversation, which I was confused about, is he said, you know, um, we need more electric vehicle availability in the state of Minnesota, and this, I don't know if it's a law or if it's just something that they're trying to do, we'll make that happen. Uh, from a retailer's, and he also said, you know, if you have an F-150, it doesn't, we're not going to make you buy an electric car. You can continue your life, but we're going to make it easier for people to purchase electric vehicles. And in from what he was saying, it sounded like he thought it was a supply issue. From a retailer, I can tell you that that's really not the case. You know, we try to co- control our inventory like every business does. If you're selling, if you're the milk manager at Cub and you sell 100 gallons of milk a week, you don't want to have 300 gallons of milk in stock because you'll have to throw it out. Well, you don't throw cars away. It just costs money to carry them. And we don't, you know, we, we carry uh, Nissan Leafs, Chevy Volt, Chevy Bolts. We have... Uh, quite a few hybrids actually we're talking about plug-in hybrids and pure electric cars but you know they sell okay but they don't sell great the other thing that's happening yes Catherine. are there are there electric cars that can deal with two feet of snow and ice 
Um, <laughs> Just a question. There's act- that's a really this good question. There are uh, the next generation that's coming out is going to be all-wheel drive electric cars. I think Jaguar makes one already. There's a company out of New York that's going to have one on the market in 2021, 750 horsepower, a 500-mile range, and it's bigger than a Suburban, and it's all electric. So, yeah, they're coming. Right now, you know, they started with, like, the Nissan Leaf, which is a really small car. Mm -hmm. But my question is, we already don't have a great demand for it, and I think part of it's because the gas prices have been stable. And what a lot of people don't know is the federal tax incentives to buy electric vehicles is sunsetting this year. In October, it got cut in half from right. $7,500 to thirty, thirty-seven fifty. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, and it's going to go away the first of the year. So essentially, these vehicles, I don't see gas going up, and these cars are going to get more expensive in the future. Why does the governor, and I don't meet, I'm going to ask you to try to speak for him the best you can. Why does he think that it's an availability issue when, in my mind, it's just people don't, there aren't, it's a very small segment of the population that wants to buy these? Well, I think the governor is probably looking at what tools he has available to try to make us move in this direction. I mean, at some point, probably there's going to be a tipping point, and this will be the thing that everybody's moving to. It's been building, obviously. It's been, uh, that you know, electric vehicle sales are growing dramatically, mm-hmm. but they're still very small as a percentage, and people aren't trusting it. I mean, you know, I travel a lot to northern Minnesota, and I'm not sure that an electric vehicle would be the best way for me to get there and back. A lot, on a a lot of basis, you're right. right. A lot of them don't have the. And range. that's Minnesota's lifestyle. Yeah. It's coming, uh, but I think what the governor is probably doing is looking at the tools he has available to try to, you know, push the marketplace and to push the car the car culture in Minnesota t- more towards electric or anything that's going to do uh, a lot less carbon emissions. And, you know, you know, it makes sense in my mind that if the federal government's going to be rolling back the clean car standard, uh, states have power. We'll see how much power they have in order to uh, fill in the gap. And we're seeing that all, you know, I don't have to get too much into partisan politics, but clearly the Trump administration is not prioritizing uh, carbon emissions or the climate crisis right now. And so you're seeing states stepping up and you're seeing corporate America, frankly, being the leaders in changing our you know, carbon emissions footprint as well, much as possible. So I think that's what that. the governor is trying to do. Okay. okay, so everybody goes to an electric car. We have to have all these power plants to plug your cars in. Is that better? Well, right now it is cheaper to build a new windmill than it is to operate an existing coal plant. Right. So it's adding more capacity to the system with renewables is extremely cost effective right now. So, you know, we're not, you know, and this is what happens when we need to make a big change. Sometimes uh, the government has to set a standard that's out there a ways for people to meet. And then the marketplace figures out how to do that with new Mm -hmm. technology. People figure out regardless of what the government does, this change is coming and I want to get out there and make a bunch of money. Mm -hmm. You saw that with Texas Wildcatters suddenly going out to site wind farms and solar farms because they knew that they needed land, they knew how to find land, and they knew that renewables would be the thing in the future. So setting a standard and saying this is where we need to get in order to protect our our water, our air, our, you know, a lot of things um, is kind of the role. And then we hope over time that the business community and innovation and so forth will kind of help us figure out how to get there and if not, then we need to figure out how to change the policy as we go along. But we have to set the direction. But, but you're right. I mean, if you're p- 
powering electric vehicles with coal plants, you're, it is a little bit more efficient, but it's probably not worth the brain damage. Right. And I can tell you, and speaking from the auto manufacturers, they don't want two different standards because it's, it increased their cost of production, and then mm-hmm. you can't move cars from one state to the other. And it used to be that way in the 80s. California had their own standards, and for trading cars back and forth was a nightmare. So yeah. that's part of the reason that the manufacturers are getting involved. And, and you know, that's also something that has often happened where states will – will push and eventually it becomes enough states and there's differences happening and the federal government says, all right, we have to standardize this. But the push that came from the states initially is what led the federal government to take action, which doesn't, you know, as I think we all know, happen all that often or quickly. So two questions, and I do agree that electric cars are the future. If you look at Europe and in China, oddly enough, they're really, it's becoming a larger part of their uh, automotive availability. Oh, they'd um, like to breathe air over there. Yeah. Well, they're I think the Chinese realized that. I think they realized in, in Beijing when you couldn't see the stoplights, yeah. they needed to yeah. clean it maybe, up a little bit. Maybe we should do something. Yeah. Which is interesting. <laughs> they just redefined what uh, vision means. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> but two things come to mind. One is recharge stations is that something the government steps in and pays for so on and so forth and secondly is you know we fund all of our uh, infrastructure in minnesota roads through gas tax it's the only thing gas tax can be used for if i understand that correctly yep. if our revenue from gas tax declines how do we pay for all this stuff well, that is an issue, but it's probably an issue for 20 years from now. Yeah, and but it, so, we'll start see, feeling it, I think, in 10. We will. Uh, at, my prediction would be and that And I will tell you this, the older you get, a problem, 10 years we'll doesn't it. seem that far away. <laughs> As a younger person, it seems like oh, 10 yeah, years. But the, but the current gas tax debate is for you know the needs we have over the next 20 years. If electric cars take off and we're running short of revenue in the, in the trunk highway fund because people aren't paying gas taxes, then we will figure out how to address that new world. But oh, they'll figure the out a way of raising taxes, trust me. <laughs> yeah, that's something that they were good at. What they? You mean like the Ryan? government? Pointing <laughs> to himself. They will find it. I will say this: I, I've had two electric cars in my life. I had the very first Tesla in the state of one of the first in the country, as a matter of fact. Uh, loved it. Well, la dee da. But it did yeah. a thing called bricking. <laughs> yeah. That if your battery somehow disconnected from the car or went dead, you could not move the car. So if I was on on ninety four and my car stopped, my Tesla stopped. You couldn't push it. You couldn't tow it. Couldn't get out, right? Right. Were you stuck? You're still stuck in that car on 994. Yeah, right. Right. They would have to fly a battery in, put it in the car, and then move it. So I said, "Well, I can't drive a car like that." So I sold that, and then Doug lined me up with an ELR, which I absolutely loved. That car. It was was a a plug-in hybrid. A hybrid, yeah. Loved the car, but but that didn't sell well either. Why didn't well, that sell well? I, I think that's a marketing issue with General Motors. They had the ELR was the Cadillac version of the Chevy Volt. Really good. The Chevy Great Volt car. I thought was a phenomenal vehicle in that it was electric powered, but it also had a gasoline engine in it. So when the mm-hmm. electric charge, which was good for about forty miles, went bad, you had another two or three hundred miles of range on electric power, and it was a decent car. But because they called it the Volt and they'd never explained it properly, people thought it was an all electric car. Right. And all the right. fears that people yeah. have about electric car was what they call range anxiety. And, and it's justifiable. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah the Tesla went two twenty five, I do remember that. Yeah. You'll go 225 miles uh, Not charge. 225 miles per hour? Well, that... T- Actually, <laughs> those Teslas are really fast. <laughs> they were really fast. Yeah, it felt like a Batmobile. Uh, yeah, it did. I just feel like you should, I, in, in my opinion, I went, I went 
you know, the technology four years after everybody starts it. It's like, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't yeah. want this year's right. iPhone. Yeah. I want last year's <laughs> tried and true. As she says, as she touches this year's iPhone. No, this is not this year's iPhone. Oh. You just got that. It's not. It's not this year's iPhone. Oh. That's the pro. So, Ryan, and, what's going on here? Andy's getting married on Sunday, and the family's all at Twitter, and they've just been fighting with themselves all I week. Have not, I've fighting. not been fighting with anyone. You're not fighting? You're phenomenal. fighting all the time. <laughs> fighting for the Marriages right are to such happy people. occasions. But the same thing with the Tesla. I, you know, you wait a couple of years till they get the bugs yeah. worked yeah. out. No, they're getting better buy, and better. And then you buy it. The range is getting better, and they're getting less expensive right. every year. That's mm-hmm. what's going on. Yeah, I loved it. I loved electric cars, both of them. I just loved them. But they just weren't functional at that yeah. time. Well, what was the first generation iPhone like and what is it doing now, right? It's yeah. not and it's not yeah. that long it's not that long ago. It was 2006 when the first one came out and it feels like how could that we not have that every bit of part of our yeah, life every day? Well, well, you were kidding Bemidji was hello central. Yeah, <laughs> Murray Hill six four thousand. My grandmother had a party line. Did she? Really? I remember See, that. Isn't that phenomenal? My, that's how I knew. I, did too. I was born in Long Prairie, Minnesota. Okay, and my grandma had a party line. We pick up the phone. It's like there's somebody already on your phone. Yeah, small party town. line. That was a very a common thing line. in small town. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't really a party. No, 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 it was not no. a party. It's basically a way to spy on your neighbors. Well, you... I will tell you one time I did pick up the phone and I should not have heard what I was hearing. I'll tell you that. Okay. Because apparently they, they used to do sex talk on phones back in those on days. party like, lines? What? Really? I mean, think, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, absolutely. Oh, it's Long Prairie. You Is know. that even monogamous? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. the party line? Yeah. Uh, well, it was the 70s, right? <laughs> that was the 60s or, yeah, the early 60s. Yeah, my thing. grandparents had one in Maine, too. Can God, you imagine phenomenal. how crazy people would be today if they had to oh, pick party. them up? Oh, sorry. <laughs> wait, wait, 20 minutes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, still, exactly. God, sorry, still can't use yeah, the vote. Can you imagine? That's exactly <laughs> Think of somebody else. Yes. Mind. Think of somebody else. Sex calls. I right? know what you're it talking about. It was a joke. Hurry up. No, you didn't segue out of that yet. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm stuck there. That's cold. That's all I know. You know, I, I do have another question, um, and this is about infrastructure. You know, there was an attempt to raise the gas tax right after uh, the election was over, and it, it, it was a short-lived attempt. And people that – the thing that I heard all the time is we've got a $1.5 billion surplus roughly. Why don't we just spend that money in the roads? What what Do you know what the need for uh, cost-wise for the infrastructure actually is? The best estimate is that it's about uh, $6.6 billion over 10 years. So uh, 20 cent gas tax basically covers that cost. And it's important to know that 20 cents was 5 cents a year phased in over four years. So it's not all at once. I don't even think anybody would know what had happened. Five cents, you know, once a year. Probably nobody would no, even realize it happened, right? No, I think that's true, yeah. Uh, so it was to cover the whole cost and to be okay. honest about, you know, Minnesota, you know, we're a state that wants great schools. We want to have a health care system that looks after people when they're old or when they can't take care of themselves. We used to have a great road system. Mm-hmm. We have the fifth biggest road system in the country of any, you know, among really? the states. Really? And so it costs money to have a decent road system, and we pay for it through the gas tax. We don't have to have it, but if we want it, that's how we pay for so it. So how much of this stuff was labeled to build new roads? And I know it's just a general question. And then how much is to repair, you know, crumbling infrastructure, yeah, I, like bridges and stuff like that? I think a lot of it is just, re- you know, maintaining what we have, 
taking care of bottlenecks. I don't think any of it is, it's not like we're planning a new uh, freeway ring or something like that. It's just to kind of keep the system functioning and expanding rats. for population growth. What did you yeah. say? I said rats. 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 <laughs> Catherine really. would like her own highway. I would like, yeah, I would like our highways God, to this be is much flying wider. By, Dougie. We've got to take a quick break and we'll be right back with our final segment with uh, Ryan Winkler on Walzer Automotive Group's Car Selling Secrets. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. Start the new year looking great and feel even better by losing 20 to 40 pounds with help from my friends at Ultimate, powered by Nutramost. It's Tom, and I'm thrilled to let you know that for a very limited time, you'll receive 20 to 30% off all programs with Ultimate's New Year's resolution sale. Do what I did and let Dan and Neil Sheehy and the staff at Ultimate help you change your relationship with food forever. With the help of Ultimate, I lost 41 pounds and another 42 pounds in each of my two 40-day programs. Debbie P. from Anoka lost 31 pounds in 43 days. Cheryl S. of Webster lost 36 pounds in 43 days. And Ron D. from Lakeville lost 57 pounds in just 43 days. Live your healthiest life starting today. Schedule an immediate consultation and receive 20 to 30% off all programs for a limited time. Call Ultimate, powered by Nutramost. 763-333-7337. 763-333-7337. You know, Hibbing, Bemidji, what's the difference? Yeah, northern Minnesota. Northern Minnesota. Iron Range versus not Iron Range. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that's true. That is very, very true, yeah, but... Not bad. You know, you got you, you got Bob Dylan, you got Kevin uh, McHale. You got some pretty good people from that area. I'm not sure I quite belong in that category. Well, you know, come on. Well, yeah, Dylan was sort of an oddball. Like, I love Bob Dylan. Uh, to this day, I, since I was a, like a 12-year-old, I thought, my God, this guy's smart. Hell of a guy. Yeah. It's true. Ryan Winkler in studio with us. It's It's pretty interesting just to sit down... You know, Ryan, I think, what's, particularly in Minnesota, the politicians in the state should spend more time doing <coughs> interviews like this because... You should invite us more often. I invite oh, we're you gonna. and they never, ever show. We're going to use this as the reason why people should come in. Okay. Look, the evil Tom Bernard didn't kill him until the last segment. I've invited oh, that... Jacob Fry. Actually, I've endorsed two candidates in the last two races. They both won, and neither one of them ever talked to me again. <laughs> I mean, there are some bizarre people in politics. You do have to admit that. <laughs> uh, that's not a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a tough one. And the Minnesotans seem to really like bizarre politics. Yeah, well, it is. Present I mean, company excluded, of course. No, it's like. Yeah, they don't like me that much. <laughs> let's have Jesse Ventura be the governor, and then oh, we'll elect Michelle God. Bachman, and I, then. It's just. Do you hear what he told L. Darkness I mean, Dave? It's uh-uh. a crazy town. Jesse Ventura told Darkness Dave. I'd like to talk to Tom again sometime if he ever apologizes. <laughs> like, apologize to you? Yeah, I don't think so. But, you know, over the years, I, but I think it's very, it'd be very good for the people, you know, for the people out there, the voters out there, that, to get to know all of you a lot better. Because a lot of people in that arena seem very distant. 
not, it almost seems like they're not even part of the community. And I think that's a big mistake. I think to step up like you're doing today is a really good idea. I think a lot of us would like to be, but it doesn't. It doesn't. It's not obvious what the avenues for doing that are. Well, I've been inviting people on the KQ Morning Show for about 30 years, and so far, Tim Pawlenty and Norm Coleman, uh, Betsy Hodges has come on, and then never talked to me again. Uh, and then you got, well, Dean Phillips came on this show, and then, well, you know, the Burnett family, Ryan Burnett. Yes. Well, yeah. Ryan and I are partners in some things. Okay. And he asked me if I would interview Dean Phillips because they've known, you know, the Phillips family mm-hmm. and the Burnett family have known. So he, we had him in one day. How long ago was that, Andy? Just before the election? A while, wasn't yeah. It? Mm-hmm. About a year ago. Yeah, I would say a year. A little more than a year ago, probably. I like to mix it up. That might make me a little bit different from some others. Mix it up as far as what's concerned. Back and forth. You, you know, I don't that's, anything well, yeah. you throw at me is fine. I don't See, care. I think that's terrific. But I, I think a lot of these guys, men and women, well, you are such a disaster. <laughs> it's a call from the governor. I got to take this. Tim Walls, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you know what? I learned something from our governor that I didn't know. Because remember, Ryan, I grew up in North Minneapolis, so I don't know a whole lot about all this hunting, fishing stuff, and all the rest of it. But I watched the the governor's opener, right? And I said, I have a question for you. Why would you wear camouflage to go fishing? <laughs> so you can't find the body. <laughs> but apparently, a lot of people do that now. They, they, that hunters, fishers. Well, a lot of you. people who go fishing, uh, that's the clothes they own. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, so yeah. what else yeah. are you going to wear? That makes sense. True. Well, I think that's the argument right there. And I wasn't trying to tell you, say that Tim Wall's a moron or something. I just thought, why would you wear camp? The fish are like, I can't see anybody up in that boat. Can you? <laughs> Looks good to me. <laughs> Looks good. But, but I mean, apparently everybody does that I, now. Yeah, I, th- I agree. I think it's a great idea for politicians to talk to people really outside is. of their arena because it, it does seem like politicians can't speak to anybody unless they're all agreeing on the same thing, right or wrong. It's like we've decided that this is what we're going to talk about, and that we're going to talk about that until people drop over it's called message discipline exactly but it's really really boring it's really boring and people are like well if i can't ask a question about it and you can't go off topic how much do you really know about it you know it seems disingenuous in a lot of ways so what do you see as the biggest i don't want to say issues or challenges what what are you hoping you guys can accomplish in this session oh it's going to be tough we have a republican senate and a dfl house and in divided government, the general presumption is if it doesn't have to happen, it won't happen. Right. And so we passed a budget last year. That had to happen. It funds yep. the government for two years. Typically, in the next session, we pass a capital investment bill to fund infrastructure projects around the state. That probably has to happen next year. I mean, uh, money is basically free. You know, we can borrow money for almost no cost at this point. And so because of the bond rating, bond rating, and just the you know interest rates, and we've got clean water infrastructure needs, you know sewer plants in small towns in Greater Minnesota that they just can't pay for it on their own. Uh, people who want to do industrial parks, people who have transportation, bridges, uh, community centers. There's all sorts of things that we can be helping to make sure that every part of the state has the basic infrastructure in place to be successful. So a bonding bill would be very good. Republicans should want it because a lot of those projects are in their districts. Democrats want it because it creates union jobs, and we believe in investment all over the state. So that should happen. Beyond that, it's hard to know what will happen. Uh, it, it, really, the only way to do it is to build 
support with a person on the opposite side of the aisle early yeah. and keep working the issue exactly. and working the issue. But they don't do that anymore. We do a lot of it, but it's yeah. just not the stuff that's very interesting. You know, it just doesn't make the headlines. Most of the bills that passed the Minnesota House and the Minnesota Senate passed with overwhelming bipartisan support. And what usually happens is things are controversial. They sit, they, people work on it for a few years, and they bring it back once everybody kind of agrees that this works. Okay. And then we move it through. I just, I, I literally would like to see someday, particularly on the national level, these people are, offer very, very poor examples. And by these people, I mean our president does, Pelosi does, Schumer does. My God, would you calm down? They're, you're not, neither of you is the devil. So let's relax. Do you think that'll ever happen on a national basis again? It has to. Good. It I'm has to. to and that. you know, it's Good. some. You know, you have to kind of take the big picture view. Coming out of World War II, like Americans right. were united, people were mm-hmm. very community oriented. There was all this sort of collective goodwill. Like after nine eleven. Yeah, and and it's yeah. been sort of a slow decline. And then you add technology, cable news, social media, and you, now people can just say whatever they want, however nasty they want to be. And yeah. nobody knows who they are, and yeah. they can stuff up. right. They and and then suddenly that gets picked up in media. That's the stuff that gets people's yeah. attention. All the things that people want out of government are not being. You know, nobody pays attention to it because it's not hot. It's not exciting. It's not you know uh, turning on uh, people's viewership. It's not creating clicks. It's just the the incentives are all skewed that yeah. opposite direction. Yeah. But eventually, people will be tired of it. I hope you're right, because I'm tired. I really it. hope it happens in November 2020, <laughs> but that's just me. <laughs> hey, look, like I said before, if you want to be president, you're not my kind of person. So, you know, it's just, it's a whole different deal. I, I, I don't think I've ever had a president that I went, oh, my God, do I hate that person. I think I've watched them make decisions, and I thought, why would you ever do that? Why would you say that? Why would you do that? Um I think the number one problem that, that our listeners have at KQRS and to this podcast is they just want to know where the money went. All the trillions of dollars, where did it go? You know, That's a fair question, isn't it? It is. It's all public information, and yeah. you could spend a whole yeah. year following it all. <laughs> yes, and most people could. don't want to spend their time doing that. <laughs> It's hard, man. It's a lot of money out there. And people go, I, I just, well, you know, we were t- I brought it up briefly. To Mr. Winkler, the fact that that uh, the fifth district in Minneapolis, it, it, there's the biggest disparity between black workers, or I think just black citizens and white citizens, but I think it, 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 it's based on on uh, jobs and and such. And you said income you had, disparity, income disparity. I, I, but I don't understand in a, in, a, in, a, in a state that's as liberal as Minnesota is, that's as wealthy as Minnesota is. How does that happen? I don't. And you said you have a theory on that. Right? Well, my theory is that Minnesota traditionally has worked really well with a homogenous society where people yeah, you, you know each other, that, they yeah. work together, they're used to functioning together, and it's sort of like Scandinavia. They all sort of see each other in each other, mm-hmm. and it can be very high-performing. That's why we have high incomes, great education, high voter turnout, all of these things, high uh, charitable contributions and civic participation. All of those things are positives, uh, and it's worked really well. But when you have people who are different moving in and the nature, the demographics of the state change, you might have learned all the wrong lessons about how to welcome in new people, about yeah, how to reach people point. who are different from you, and figure out a way to work together. And I think we're very, we're very divided geographically. 
the disparities mm-hmm. you talked about are in health and in education and all sorts of things. Right. So we sort of have to learn how to function a little bit differently in Minnesota in order to be successful in the world as it is uh, in front of us. You know, you're the only one that's ever answered that correctly. I've asked that of many people. And the reason I know that is this. And I, I don't think I've ever talked to anybody about it at this stage. Maybe Catherine and I probably talked about it. But uh, the show, morning show, started 34 years ago. And uh, it took off right away. I was very, very lucky. And the show got huge and all the rest of it. And after a few years of getting beaten to a pulp by the Star Tribune and the, all the TV stations and the Pioneer Press and the politicians and all the rest of it, I actually, and I won't rat the guy out because he's no longer with us, but I asked the politician, a big, t- big shot politician, I said, what is the problem at the state level with me? I don't understand what is the problem. And the guy said just what you said. Well, Tom, you have to understand you're not like us. You're 100% right, because I was an inner-city kid who didn't act like a white guy to them. Does that make sense to you? Well, you know, there's a lot of uh, cultural things that people of Scandinavian and German oh, and, yeah. you know, the Yankees founders of this state have in common. <laughs> yeah. And it's Minnesota is, you know, we're thick with those kinds of people, and I'm one oh, of yeah. those. You know, well, I don't you see don't, you, that, you don't, you're not you, that kind of person. Though. Well, you, you know, you don't cut in line at the Lutheran Church dinner, right? <laughs> and if you do, nobody yes, will say exactly. anything, but everyone will remember for oh, three yeah. generations that you did that. <laughs> so and you're like pay the price. with the zipper merge, I'll good. pull over even though I'm a mile away from the end of it. <laughs> that I know you're is, not supposed to do that. No, that is like, so. Like, I have little patience for Minnesota drivers. <laughs> oh. Well, there is. Or that. the vigilante out on the left lane deciding how fast everyone else should go. <laughs> So now, Ryan, just because you've been here for an hour, now I, I have somebody I might be able to vote for for governor someday. That was a very good response. Most people don't understand that about this state. They don't want to admit that there are a, a huge section of Minnesotans who don't want you around them if you're not like them. You didn't go to elementary school together, so why would I get to know uh, you? That's that exactly so true. That's absolutely true, Ryan. You're very, yeah. Your mom and dad real smart. Of course they are. Okay, well, good. <laughs> well, of course they your are. Your kid went to Harvard. They have to be yeah, smart, well, right? Yeah, that's true. I, yeah, but your dad went to Harvard. What happened to you? Uh, Thank you very much. Selling, <laughs> selling cars. He's got street smarts. That's right. I, I, I have very, other very, talents. I'm very happy I asked that question because I've never gotten over that. For 30 years, I went, what do you mean I'm not like you? And it's just a it's it's a cultural deal. Obviously, you know. In fairness, color. though, you're every once in a while you'll say something like, "All politicians are scumbags." That, that no, can be off-putting. I said a couple of people, that I, you know, <laughs> and I, all the ones he was thinking of at the time. That's right. Yeah. That <laughs> one guy. Very, very true. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Look, it's very, very frustrating when you try to talk to somebody about something and they won't even respond. Yeah. And it's only because I'm an inner city guy. And they, Minnesotans still cannot deal with inner city people in this state. They can't deal with us. That's well, because there aren't very many. There aren't very many. That's you know, true. You really have two. Actually, it's one. Minneapolis and St. Paul are so close to each other. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's very true. It, but it, it, we it gets, weren't part, you know, the big migration of African Americans to northern cities right. it happened here, but not like Detroit or not other like places. Detroit, right. You know, we remained very white for a very long time. Yeah, we did, absolutely. And I'm just the wrong kind of white guy. You know, they all talk about you're the wrong kind of black guy. Well, I'm the wrong kind of white guy. I mean, it's just it's just how it is. Oh, you the you seem to be doing okay. Yeah. 
Uh, fight, fight the power, brother! Fight the power. That's all I know. Get your hands off my car. <laughs> but that that is terrific. I'm really glad that you would. So so you know Mike Michael Bryant that well that you would accept this invitation to come on talk to Doug. Absolutely, he's That's a constituent why. of mine. I'll tell you what, he Michael Bryant is one of my favorite people. In the world. I learned a lot from Doug and Michael Bryant, as a matter of fact, because I was never really I was never really conservative. I might. Matter of fact, if I, you know, you did the testing, I test out a little bit left of center. That's where I test out of my views. But people who don't share that kind of centrist position think you're extreme anyway. So basically, I got the people on the far right and the far left both going, oh, my God, you're such a liberal. Oh, my God, you're such a conservative. Well, you can't can't be both. You you can't be a public figure and worry too much about what people say. That's true. No, that's true. That's very good. Well, it does seem like president's a good example of that. Right. Uh, It can it can be taken too far. (laughs) It does seem like right now. And he is obsessed with what people say about him. He is, man. God, he's such a baby. (laughs) <laughs> okay, can I close with my Donald Trump story? You can do whatever you want. It's your show. Donald just Trump, my name The on. Art of the Deal came out in paperback, right? And I had never met Donald Trump, but he came on the morning show. And he comes on the morning show, and I know people on the show have heard it many times, but it's, it's a fascinating story in that, so here's Donald Trump, one of the richest guys in the United States, one of the richest guys in the world. He comes on the show, and he goes, hey, Tom, how you doing? I said, great. And he goes, how's Catherine, my wife? And I said, We go wonderful. way back. Yeah, you and Donald. You and Don. I said, she's great. He goes, well, how about Andy and Alex? They doing well? I'm like, he knew my kids. He knew my wife. He knew what I did. He knew what I... He has really good people behind him. Now, he doesn't always let that come out of his mouth, but the people behind him back then in business were very, very good at it. I also know, by the way, and people do get upset with me on the right, but Donald Trump, I have watched Donald Trump cheat people out of money. I just, I have. I mean, whether it's in a building project or a golf course or putting in 500 trees at his, at his golf course in Palm, West Palm Beach and then not paying for them. I have no respect they for somebody They weren't put in that. properly. Oh, that's right. You put them in the ground shoddy wrong. But the roots planting. are supposed to be pointing up. <laughs> exactly. So what, I, what I'm trying to do, I'm, and I'm really glad you came in because maybe it'll open the door and people will realize that if they do come on the show, I'm not going to lambaste them and call them idiots. I mean, I, I will at the end. The danger is that we go off and then you keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> don't want, that's a good point. But if you're not a prick, then I won't do that. <laughs> no, I don't do that to people. I don't savage my guests. Only a couple of times it's happened. And I like these long-form no interviews because you can't fake it for 45 minutes. You no, can that's fake exactly it for three right. or four and tout the party line, whether it's politics or whatever you're trying to sell. But for you know, longer term, it's impossible. To do. Long range, what, what are your goals in politics? Did you want to be governor someday? My goals are uh, to make as much of a difference as I can wherever I'm at the, at the time. And for all that people. sounds like a political answer. No. But the fact of the matter is that you can't predict. Politics changes all the time. Yeah. People spend their whole careers with a plan, and they're going to do this office and that office and that office, yep. and they're going to calculate their way through. It's a waste of time. Life is short. Do what you can where you're at. And if things turn out, great. And, and, and you would say that serving all your constituents is important. Of course. Man, a lot of people don't think that. <laughs> well, I think, that. I, think people get a, I think people don't know what level of commitment yeah. uh, their elected officials make. And especially at the state legislative level or the local level, you are doing this with a lot of us with a significant financial sacrifice. Mm-hmm. We, you don't agree with each other, but you, you know, at the State House of Representatives, just about everybody there is doing it because they believe in bettering the yeah. state. Yeah. And it's, you know, so there's a Minnesota. I don't know other states. Minnesota is fortunate to have a whole lot of people working in government who care a lot and are doing their very best. I think that's true. 
I think that is true. Um, do you mind if, if I get the contact information for you from your person? Because I'd love to have you on the morning show once sure. in a while. Sure, happy to do it. Because li- what I like to do is offer both sides uh, of the coin. Like I tried to do it this morning because Mike Lindell is a big-time supporter of, of Donald Trump. And he's matter of fact, he's going to be the Not a big fan of the pillow either. What you th- <laughs> there you go. You had to have a party. Take shot. that knife out of my back. There. Get that last dig. Actually, last night, last night, a, a news anchor, a national news anchor, somebody brought up, I don't know who to. I, oh, I think it was Bill Clinton, actually. They were talking about presidents and misbehaving and blah, blah, blah. So, of course, you're eventually going to get to Richard Nixon and Bill Clinton and people like that. And the guy said, Bill Clinton has bedded more women than my pillow. (laughs) That's a pretty good... That is funny. That's a funny line. I'm sorry. And you know your company's made it when you're the part of the joke. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, yes, if you don't mind, I'll reach out to your people. Happy to. And I'd love to have you Well, if you're okay with it, I just got your cell number. I can just give it to him. Well, I don't want your direct cell number because I'll call you and go, Jesus Christ, Winkler. No, I won't do that. (laughs) (laughs) I will not do that. (laughs) I don't don't want to have to get a new phone. (laughs) <laughs> nah, we'll be fine. Thanks very much for coming in. Doug? That's another exciting episode of Car Selling Secrets <laughs> by Walter Automotive Group. We'll be back next week. Hopefully, Jay Marie will be on. I think I finally I love Jay Marie. I, I, know well, you I saw her at the house. Oh, did you? Yeah, she came to the house. You know, she's so nervous to do this show. I know she This is. woman is in advertising. She owns an ad uh, company in the Twin Cities. Everybody just loves her. She does a lot of fabulous, wonderful, uh, philanthropic work, and she's yep. nervous to come in and talk to Tom. Aww. just like you, right? So we'll just torture <laughs> the crap out of her. <laughs> I'm not nervous about anything. Yeah, it doesn't look like it. Thanks. We're done. Lot.